Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. <laughs> welcome. My name is Stephen Moskis. I'm Gina Stevenson. And this is our cultural review podcast where we go through films of the past 50 or so years looking at their impact on culture to decide whether or not, well, whether or not we should, should we keep should should we, should, we, should, we keep, should, we keep, should we keep this? Should we keep this one? Should we keep or this? That? Should we, yeah. Hmm. So we're going to kick off with 1969. That's right. For all you 69 <laughs> fans. Then we... Uh, no? Mm, well... No? Yeah. It's been said. We're it's jumping said. right into it. So cool. uh, right now, for, for 1969, we're going to talk about the Best Picture Oscar winner and the top grossing film. The Best Picture winner was Midnight, Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy. And the top grossing film, I'm just going to jump in here because Steven, gosh, you're saying all the stuff. Um, the top grossing film was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance, Sundance Kid. Kid. Bunch of cowboy stuff yeah, was happening in 69. Very, we shall be talking about what was going on with uh, the frontier in 1969. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting that both films had to do with that. Now, I know. Before we jump in. Yeah. Gina. Mm. What are you trying to get rid of this week? Yeah, this week, uh, what I want to get rid of is, uh, it's funny because you are taking a sip of coffee as I am saying this, um, but how at the end of your cup of coffee, mm -hmm. you always usually get some grounds when you're making it with a French press, which is what I do because I'm really classy. You get ground. Mm. Uh, I am very... I just want to be clear for the listeners home that we're currently drinking out of a Chemex, so well, the idea that I'm the drinking French press water. is classy... Okay, uh, well, sure, yeah. It's cool. Um, so actually, I'm realizing, I don't know if you're getting any grounds in your coffee with that. It's crystal You're clean. not. Okay, well, clean. look at that. It's I've gotten rid of the grounds from coffee by not using a French press, which is what I use. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I've solved my problem. Um, what do you want to get rid of this week, um, Stephen? Well, I had an instance of being horrifically body shamed by my insurance <gasps> provider. Oh, my. Um, yeah, what? <laughs> I got a letter in the mail to tell me I was fat. Wait. Um, yeah, no, Go, I'm dead serious. Uh, I, got an e I got a letter from Health First to tell me that, like, according to the information I filled out on the website, mm -hmm. um, I my like BMI is out of control. Are you serious? I, yeah, no, I'm dead serious. And they put it um, in writing too. It wasn't yeah, even a phone no. call. And they, could... it, no, no phone call. <gasps> Haven't met with a doctor yet. Uh, in all caps and bold, I am in the over zone. What? Yeah, no. It, but if you haven't met with a doctor, how do they even know? That's yeah. so mean. And also, Stephen, I'm just gonna for our listeners, they can't see you. You're you're very fly. You're, I, you're a sexy man. That's, that's your BMI here, is absolutely average. There. So, but, yeah. Wow. Average. Or I, well, I couldn't well, remember with BMI if it's like higher or lower is the best one. So it's um, whichever maybe, one is the best one. Can we just, um, so I want to get rid of uh, correspondence from our uh, healthcare providers. Oh. Um, that's maybe, can we, let's go to the, the films. Okay. Um, let's, let's move on to the films. Yeah. I'm feeling insecure about my body. I'm sorry, Stephen. Um, you got a great body. Home. He's got a great body. All right, um, let's jump in. Let's dive in. Yeah, so um, what film were you drawn to the most? Midnight Cowboy or Butch Cassidy? <laughs> That's a great question because uh, these movies are are statements. Yeah. Um, I guess Midnight Cowboy in okay. terms of, uh, yeah, I had, yeah. So do you want to take a minute to just, just describe what, what happens in Midnight Cowboy? 
Sure. So in Midnight Cowboy, um, John Voight, Dustin Hoffman are the stars. Uh, it starts with, so John Voight plays, the, <laughs> I know, uh, plays this Texas uh, this, like dishwasher guy who decides that he's going to move to New York, uh, play up his cowboy persona, mm-hmm. and become a male prostitute. Um, for the ladies, yeah, which apparently I did not know, but apparently to say that you're a hustler, yeah, that's very what that means. Meant that you were I didn't know that either. Yeah, I, I was like, that. is that drugs? Is that just like you do cool, like you steal stuff? Yeah. But it means that you're gonna be a prostitute. Everybody right. knew it in 1969, at least. Mm. Um, so he moves to New York, just takes a bus uh, there, and he's very like. It's like the whole, I'm, I'm in New York City and nobody understands, I don't know what's going on. Everybody's mean here. And he just like immediately loses a bunch of money, falls for some some things. Mm. Anyways, he meets Dustin Hoffman at a bar and um, who plays uh, really just, he's really, pr- I think Dustin Hoffman was very proud of the character he created in this movie. Oh, and yeah. it, I was a he's, little bit eye-rolly me- about this. He's, yeah, he's, he's like method. every line though, he's like so, cl- like, Hey, I'm kind of nasally, and I have Ransel, a Rico. He's like, hey, you don't, you know, and so like, I just was annoyed by his performance, actually, but that doesn't matter with the movie in terms of plot. Uh, So he meets Dustin Hoffman, uh, who kind of cons him a little bit out of some more money, Mm. um, and then ends up, basically, they end up sort of like getting together as friends, uh, because they both have nothing, and they... Uh, Dustin Hoffman invites him into his like abandoned, condemned building mm. to crash there together. Yeah, he, New York squatting life—that is something yeah. that like gets played up a lot. And yeah, like, yeah. We, I, I wonder to the degree, I wonder the degree to which it's still a thing. Like mm. how many? Because there are a few buildings here. Oh and there yeah, that are. I'm sure people boring. are squatting. Yeah. but I don't know if they're doing it the same way. Like you know, cracking into coconuts and um, yeah. Yeah. No, that. That was uh, <laughs> anyway, so the point of it all being basically like the whole time John Voight's character, who is Joe Buck, is his name, mm-hmm. I forgot to say. Who's that? Um, Where's that? Right. Joe Buck. Uh, he never really uh, gets to become a successful male prostitute is the sort of thing of it. There's also, I don't even know how to describe this plot because it's sort well, of like the whole thing is like him trying and then there's a bunch of weird stuff also. Yeah, like there's, because it's, it's, it's got... Him sort of establishing, trying to establish himself as a New York hustler, and then, but also you're getting these piecemeal flashbacks of oh my his God. life with his grandmother, as yeah. well as a, a very this unclear girlfriend. Girlfriend, Rape. I so I have some thoughts because I the way that it's depicted in the novel of mm. the self same name is very different and. Definitely worse. Um, oh. Yeah, no. Um, but surprising because mm, <laughs> it was pretty. It was bad, bad for sure, but it was worse. Um, also, if you just a fun fact, the first ra- and only rated X movie to win the Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So, and do you want to know why it was rated X? I do actually. Um, There's a flash of penis, maybe. No, it's got nothing to do really? with that. No, it's the uh, the reason that this movie is rated X. Uh, the MPAA gave it an R, but then they consulted a psychologist oh. who said that the homosexual frame <gasps> of reference could have a possible influence on youngsters. And then it was rated X and because of that? And then it was that? rated X. Wow. Which, like, the movie, like, it's a weird thing to call a movie, like, gay. But, like, yeah. it's not that gay. Like, I actually, well. Well, 
this was a question of mine in the plot. There were a lot yeah. of, because I, my interpretation was that maybe Dustin Hoffman's character was actually closeted mm-hmm. um, and was gay. And because there's a lot of, in the movie, so as on John Voight's journey to try to become right. a hustler, he realizes that like the easiest way to sort of get some money right. is to, is to like stand outside of a movie theater and have men, you right. know, basically right. come Bob into Balaban, the- band actually. That uh, was who that, that was. was. I know, Bob I was Balaban. like, I feel yeah. like I, I've seen <laughs> you a lot He's when a you get older. director of yeah. the Stephen <laughs> Tobolowski, you probably don't know who he is. No. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah. young Bob Balaban, college right. NYU Bob Balaban. <laughs> Um, oh wow okay Um, but yeah so so there is I feel like there's certainly there was a question of mine throughout the movie too of like is this because there's a lot of uh, the F word thrown around homophobic language and so is it is it actually though about like the the like Mm self-hating homophobia of like a a society that doesn't accept gay people or are they actually also just homophobic I did struggle I did struggle with um, whether or not like Dustin Hoffman's character was homophobic and whether or not the Mm -hmm. film was homophobic because Mm -hmm. like you know the guy um, well actually I don't think the movie at the time was drawing a line but it 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 very well may have been uh, a trans woman that was in the bar yes and Mm -hmm. um, and so she comes up seems to be hitting on John Voight's character and then you know, Dustin Hoffman, sh- you know, like sends her, her away, away with, mm-hmm. you know, some slurs. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, John Voight's like, oh, you know, you do, sir, you seem to know the lay of things. I'm like, fuck this, fuck, what the <laughs> hell. But, uh, then that character was, was right. Like, cause the, the first thing that she says is like, well, the, the, the real question is if you're sitting over there and he's sitting over here, how's he going to get your hand, his hand in your pocket? Mm-hmm. And the first thing that he, you know, he like right, steals he, almost all of his money. Yeah. So, scams him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his, um, and the like, scam, sorry, but like I think the scam, my understanding of it that Dustin Hoffman played on him oh. was because John Voight was looking for a manager, like a pimp, a pimp basically. Yeah. Um, they call it a manager because, you know, they're nice. But and so Dustin Hoffman was like, oh, I'll set you up with one. And so he sends him to this guy's apartment and he's like, you know, pay me 20 bucks because I'm setting you up with this right. guy. And then what it seemed to be was this guy who's trying to like preach the gay away from like it's my impression was that like often he is sent like gay men who are tormented by their uh-huh. homosexuality and oh, that I was didn't even think of that but like that'd be that kind of feeds into because Dustin Hoffman's character Dustin Hoffman's character is Italian that kind of feeds into this idea of like like you said that maybe he is struggling to grapple with his own sexuality yeah. and maybe he that's the nature of his introduction to this guy um yeah no, I hadn't. I had not thought about that. Um, interesting. Now, I did think that like the intersection of this film with uh, religion was really interesting because mm-hmm. it, it, like, is very critical. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, 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 oh! No, wait, wait, wait! No, I just wanted to say that like when, because there is grappling. Like John Wick, John Wick's character is grappling with um, his his sexuality. Mm-hmm. However, you don't, um, when he chooses to look for 
like male male work mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like the film takes like a long-standing critical judgment of of him for that in a way that I think maybe later like 80s films might do like it seemed it seemed like oh he still might be grappling even though he's done it didn't seem like to be mm-hmm. this horrible torture as though it might be framed in like the Reagan years you know yeah. it seemed like it wasn't that big a deal so I, I really couldn't tell whether or not it was like you said a homophobic character in in an altogether progressive film um the book however oh yeah i did you read the book or you um, just no you I, skimmed I read, it little wikipedia um, art, uh yes a an internet encyclopedia article about mm, the book. internet um, encyclopedia exactly um but no so uh the, the, the book takes longer place where he's in text so <laughs> i'm giving away whether or not uh i think we should keep this film mm. however the film lit okay <laughs> film he's like leaving texas right away right and he's like got this this naivete and oh, he's yeah. like it, it, it his desperation to be liked is like yeah. so painful when he it goes really to the bus driver oh my god i he, know and then he answers he like goes up to the bus driver at the beginning of his bus ride to new york and he's like quite the motor on that one right right or something like the, like the bus motor right being like, and then he just like pauses because the bus driver just straight ahead doesn't respond and then right. he answers his own question he's like yeah quite the bus motor on that one yeah uh, uh, <laughs> it's like, like he, so sad and he's just like but it, it, it's like almost flowers for Algernon where it's like he <laughs> he's like blinding himself to his own like ostracism is the word that's coming is that to a mind word? but I don't know ostracizationism I'm smart enough to make up words but Are you? not smart enough to use real ones um <laughs> but so in in the the book though it takes place he tries to be a hustler in Texas oh. and then he like gets introduced to a madam by this guy who very clearly has a crush on him mm-hmm. and then he like goes to the um, goes to the the brothel or whatever. He's uh, having sex with a female sex worker and then realizes that the guy, the madam and the madam's uh, homosexual son is watching them also. And then he like freaks out and then they beat him up and rape him. <gasps> and then that makes him like totally numb to whether or not he's having like male 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 sex or I male see. female sex, just doesn't matter, right? And him. I think that does way word way more to feed into stereotypes about like about gay people sort of being molesters, being right. predators, ra- yeah, being, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. The God, uh, all the horrible things that uh, Kevin Spacey may or may not have implied that gay people are. Um, because fuck God. Um, uh, but, but right. But the, the people in the film that we actually see who are deaf, who at least whether or not they are Mm -hmm. identify themselves as gay, but who participate in homosexual activities of their own, you know, volition, um, are just the same as any other character. You know, like they're, uh, yeah, they're like one of them's kind of like nerdy and lives with his mm-hmm. mom. The other one is like a businessman. Like, there's yeah. no, um, and neither of them are aggressive or no. And you know, he is painted 
like in his descent, like his act of homophobic violence at mm-hmm. the end yes. is is very much condemned and seen as him being entirely cut down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, right. Gina, can we talk about Crazy Annie? Crazy Annie. Yeah. Wait, remind me. Oh, Crazy the, Annie is her name. Is she the, is the, oh, that's her name? The, the one who's like, yeah. I love you, Joe Buck. Right. Oh my, yes. There's no it, one but you. Because it's painted on the water tower, Crazy Annie Yeah, oh right, Joe Crazy Buck. Annie. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, so this whole, so the whole film, there's all these flashbacks of like something that happened and yeah, I, so basically, first of all, I mean, Crazy Annie is a great example of the fact that every woman in this movie is either naked mm-hmm. or uh, being flirted with or right. pretty much just those two. Uh, but so, yeah, I don't understand my, okay, I was trying to piece together his, the timeline of like his backstory, yeah. Joe Bucks. And it, so it seems like he, maybe his mom was a prostitute. So in the book. Okay. It appears that she was probably okay. A prostitute. I picked and he up spent on a that. lot of time dealing with her, but 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 you but you but, are well, aware that like oh. we only see his mom in like one frame oh, yeah, in the yeah. movie. She like just drops just drops him off, him with, off the with, grandma, with the grandma, what, what, who is yeah. also always chasing men, right? And um, like massaging him that, I in was creepy like, this ways. Weird. I know the first yeah. flashback we see is like him giving his grandma a massage while she sits in a chair and she's like oh oh baby and she like pulls his face in it's yeah so clearly like there's this uh, yeah this there's some kind of sexual Mm -hmm. trauma in his past whether or not it's explicitly assault but like there's some relationship with with sexuality especially between men and women that's like very troubled Mm -hmm. um and then it's my okay i was trying to figure out if he had a girlfriend who was annie Mm. aka comma crazy annie annie comma crazy uh and they were like making out going at it in the back of a car mm-hmm. one night right and then this just like this gang of boy men yeah. young men like arrives at the car like flashlights in the windows mm-hmm. opens the wind opens the doors pulls her out naked she tries to like run away from them he tries to run and then the gang like splits into two groups and well, like half they're holding him right half he was the, also naked which is because they were yeah well yeah. then then yeah, what i, mean, I thought was happening was yeah <laughs> right because <Fully naked. laughs> yeah everyone who's that we really when you're in a car you're you always fully, fully naked, naked. Um, um but like the gang was like you half run after her uh-huh. pin her down and rape her yeah and then this half pinned him down Maybe raped him, too? I couldn't tell if they were raping him or making him watch. Yeah, um, but he was also, still naked the whole time. That's where I caught a glimpse yeah. of penis, I thought, from the behind, from behind mm. an artful... Was, <laughs> just it, was, a, it, was it good? I didn't notice. It was, it, uh, well, it was a traumatic scene. It okay. wasn't, it wasn't right. that artful. You weren't thinking that. That's fair. That yeah. would be weird. But, <laughs> but also something that was weird, uh, there was sort of an evolution of how the... How the that was depicted because like you see her and you see him and you're hearing the, the voiceovers of mm. like, I love you. Do you love me? Do you love oh, right. me? Do you love me? And right. he never, he never speaks. He never says it back, which like it really bugs me. I'm like, yes, because it doesn't really comment on whether or not he regrets that he never said that he mm. loved her. It right. doesn't right. happen. Is my, mm. But, um, and she says, you're the only one, which is important right. because then the other part of the flashback, it looks like the cops come and mm-hmm. she points at Joe Buck and right. says he's, he's the, the only one, which yeah. then clearly the, the cops seem to interpret as he's the one who raped me. And then he goes to jail. 
that there was no punishment. The only I know. punishment that he so well, but he's, he's behind bars, right? Carted off to Some, an asylum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, sh- and Crazy then he Annie. effectively has paid no price for the fact that he is uh, would was. I mean, he was framed, but mm-hmm. framed for. Uh, an act of sexual violence that drove a woman insane. Right. Um, Now, um, and all of this though, just to like make sure that everyone really can picture the fact that there is literally no dialogue Mm -hmm. to explain any of it. Like this is all two second flashes of a shot and you're supposed to piece it together from that. Right. Which is really annoying because it it is the, I, I really need to know what the film is trying to tell me about this because the, if the idea is that, honestly, this is 1969, so we really don't know if the film is just is trying to frame it like this is a perfectly good loving relationship or not. Now, the book, guess what? <laughs> Sneak Attack, uh, Curveball, the book, uh, nails it again. Um, would you like to know what happens with um, Crazy Annie in the book? Yes. So maybe he. So he loses his virginity to her, mm-hmm. um, but she is, um, it, the book is what I'm afraid the movie is because it, she, there's like a dirty mattress behind the movie theater and she like waits there and men line up to have sex with her and she is apparent, but, but he is the, the first person she's ever enjoyed it with. Mm. So they go God. and they have sex, which implies that she is being at best horrifically manipulated it gaslit into i um just endless amounts of sex with the boys in town Mm -hmm. and then one of them is jealous Mm. that she likes joe tells her dad her dad has her institutionalized oh wow right uh none of that's in the movie cool no 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 just the book winning again um god well because yeah and she has literally no so just thinking, like every woman character, again, in this movie, has no uh, sense of personality, right. who she is, what, why she's doing anything. Like, she is purely a prop in this movie, clearly. But I didn't understand how this backstory possibly made Related. him desire to make this weird choice. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... I was trying to understand... And it's such a different tone, which is interesting. Like, the, the backstory yeah. is so dark and so viscerally haunting and horrifying right. whether or not we understand exactly what it's what's going on and then the the like his tone of like i'm gonna go to new york it's right. just like this weird you funny experience that trauma and then right. have this this boyish naivety right all the girls love me sense. yeah it seems like something that would happen you know in the second half of act two or something like that sorry guys the second half of act two um <laughs> uh, i feel weird talking about structure in that way but like something that would happen that would really the dark night of the soul him. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> perhaps um but <laughs> it, it is just totally in the yeah. backstory and doesn't right. really build up now i what i think that i think it has to do with creating his sort of his dilemma with regards to like his manhood and his sexuality and i think it is underdeveloped because correct i think that the woman that he that pays for his services 
um, in a way that makes no sense in the end. Right. Um, because she <laughs> thought they were just hitting it off. And then suddenly he's like, you have to pay me right. $20, which in 1969 was like a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, well, okay. It's yeah. Like, no, well, she, I don't. She really mm, wants him. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, so then when they have sex, She's not like Annie, always wanting to be like, I love you, I love you, I love you. She is like mm. rough with him. As he calls it, alley cat. She right. went full alley cat on him. And I wondered if I wondered if the film was trying to make a statement about like him, his ideas of like male sexuality in relation to female sexuality were reformed by the fact that he has encountered this woman who is way more sexually realized than who he has experience with. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't know. You don't have to. <laughs> I, I don't because I feel like uh, the film tells me nothing about mm. that and I wish it did. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like, is this what the movie is trying to right. say without like it really making it clear? Yeah. I feel like we, it, yeah, it's a, it's something that I really want to layer on my own interpretations to mm. like make it mean something positive, but yeah. I can't tell at all if that's just in my head, you know? Yeah. And, and there also was another horrific instance of, uh, symbolic misogyny in which you recall the, um, the montage of him stalking women around the Upper East Side. In the, in the beginning oh yes in a, in a in a in a montage that is meant to be comical he is it's literally just remaining two steps behind right well he's got yes dozens of women yeah um, right and like trying to be like oh like oh, almost oh, saying something Liber- right oh, yeah you, that's a good pickup line if anyone yeah. is in need of one especially i guess if you live in new york city if you live other places maybe it would work too i don't know uh, um but well, excuse like me ma'am um, but, right where is the statue of liberty yeah. and that's with his whole plan to pick up women. Right. And the, uh, the, I mean, the part I found uh, least believable about that is that when he asked the first woman, mm-hmm. she like doesn't know how to tell him. And I'm like, that. <laughs> She's like, oh, the Statue of Liberty. Let me take the, I think you take the 7th Avenue line. No, no, that can't be right. No, I'm like, you're on, you're on Park <laughs> Avenue. Take the 6th to Bowling Green and get, like, you can see it. For the, yeah, I, I was like, mm, I don't believe this. But um, during that, there is, um, because this is part of the nouveau Hollywood, sort of the beginning of the auteur movement oh. that gets developed in the 70s more and more um, <laughs> with other uh, feminist icons such as uh, Woody Allen. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of uh, a lot of symbolism, like visual symbolism. Mm. Um, and... There's a moment where you see just like, boom, shot in a in a like a Park Avenue window of this like diamond brooch. Yes. And then you see him approach a woman, and she like just walks away because she can tell that this guy's approaching her. And then you see someone in the store pick up the brooch and take it away. Yeah. And I'm like, so women are the brooch, jewelry. <laughs> and you can't have it. And, but we'll, oh, they'll be snatched. dangled in front of your face. <laughs> Somebody must right. have bought that for you. Right, know, like, right, what? right. Yeah. No, yeah. No, hated that. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. Um, how did you... I also thought that the film, like, 
was commenting a lot on loneliness mm-hmm. in mainstream culture in a way that like I don't mm-hmm. feel like really got depicted much. I mean, did you notice yeah. much of that? Yeah, well, what I thought was really interesting was how throughout there were so many, um, there were all these like, whether it's billboards or mm-hmm. commercials or TV, you know, uh, or even like the posters that Dustin Hoffman had in his apartment of like Florida, because Dustin yeah. Hoffman's character, Dustin Hoffman's character was obsessed with going to Florida. Right. Um, of like these these like images of the the ways that American culture, uh, especially like materialistically, will uh-huh. make you happy. Um, and so mm. I, I felt like that was happening a lot throughout of like this very sort of subtle like backdrop to the loneliness of the characters yeah. um, because, you know, we saw like all these and, and it was also about class, too, and like money, which like they right. had none of, you know. And but and um, also like when he was moving to Texas, everything that he I didn't notice it quite at first. But everything that he brought was something that he bought brand new mm. for that trip. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was um, all like packaged. Yeah, yeah. Um, Except for his poster of Paul Newman. Oh yeah, which baby, Paul Newman baby, in Paul Butch Newman, Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yeah, everybody loved um, Paul Newman. Uh, but the um, I made you lose your train of thought. I did. I did. I made, thanks, <laughs> thanks so much. No, um. We basically have two depictions of people who aren't lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, we have through and, and literally every character that we meet, either because writing is bad or because it's <laughs> intentional, um, is alone. Like the woman that he he does mm-hmm. well ends up taking his money. Like she has somebody on the phone that she's like, "When am I going to see you? Am I going right. to see you?" And like. Right. It kind of implies that it's her husband, but that he doesn't. It's clearly a terrible relationship. Even people who are married are alone. Yeah. Um, But then we see two groups. We see the counterculture 1960s, like crazy party. That was wild. Very wild. (laughs) My God, there's just like a psychedelic party scene in the middle of it. And that I was like, oh, I forgot that we were in the late 60s. Right. Until that moment, to be honest. And like there was the one moment where there's something like talking about life or something she's like life oh my God. Yeah, it's like heroin it really is it's like it's heroin nothing. yes i it's tried just, heroin right <laughs> no she's literally, yeah she's like life is no death is like heroin death is oh my it's nothing Her, death is nothing, nothing. heroin is nothing. nothing yes i've tried heroin it's nothing uh, so anyways yeah um, she had which, definitely tried heroin yeah and I, I i thought so this movie came out in may right um i don't want to lose my train of thought again the only other mm, um, the only <laughs> other instance of a, of a of camaraderie that we see mm-hmm. uh in terms of mainstream culture is the gang yeah. that chases and 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 rapes them? Yes, and uh, on the bus there is a group of army guys. Oh yeah, uh, and there, which made me think a little bit about Vietnam as well, because mm-hmm. there were a few references to Vietnam and the war. Yeah, um, and the, like the protest that was like yeah. sort of. The, I, I checked to see all the posters, and it was it was very vague. It was yeah. Like oh, the posters were so vague. I know, like, I know. You know. Like we can't really say anything because this right. is Hollywood. But it's like right. yeah, it was like everyone loves happiness yeah, <laughs> you like know and you're like unity, what <laughs> you know um and that but yes yeah, i think but know, yes what the, was i talking about they were talking about them being alone and the yeah. groups of people and i think it's true because part of it and i think it's interesting cowboy wise and thinking uh-huh. about butch cassidy as well um the other movie of like the you want to talk about no no I, I mean, you can talk about i'm ready cassidy, yeah. but no just to say that like um the the like disillusionment of mm. the sort of like classic american dream 
you know, of like, you've got an idea, you can do whatever you want, you right. know, was sort of uh, that this was sort of about the disillusionment of that. I agree. You know? and there, there's even like I, I was thinking about when they go to Florida mm-hmm. that with a, what, what is the first thing that he does? He buys clothes, right? So yeah. like he came to New York with an image mm-hmm. that he was going to assert and and he was going to basically take over New York with himself. And so, and then he loses everything. And when he goes to Florida, the first thing he does is basically buy clothes. Mm -hmm. Throw away his old clothes. Throw away the old old clothes. Buy new clothes to fit in with the area. And I think there was this big idea of valuing the community over the individual. Mm. Um, Now, Something I thought was really interesting is so like this movie came out in May, mm-hmm. um, which what it, it the criticism that it seemed to have of the '60s. So Altamont was like seven months later. Are you familiar with Altamont? I'm not. Okay, so Altamont they tried to like recapture Woodstock. Car? It's mm-hmm. a it's a raceway, but like the Stones uh-huh. had a free concert and it was supposed to be like the new Woodstock. And but they got like Hell's Angels to do security. It was like a <laughs> horrific incident and like oh. people were killed. Oh my god! And so it was seen as like the thing that. that ends the '60s. So I thought it was interesting that the film does kind of predict like mm. it, it's predicting urban decay. It's predicting the end of the '60s. It's uh, dealing with like the sort of not necessarily PTSD, but like Mm. really sort of misgivings about like traditional masculine culture and the way that that fits in with the military as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and so I was wondering, does this come out at the end of the year after some of these events? But it, it doesn't even, even the mention of heroin, Mm. like Mm -hmm. it is um, the heroin really had a resurgence later in the 70s which also became like a huge problem Hmm. especially in the cities of new york city um and on that note too of like things that i kept thinking because i kept on thinking that dustin hoffman's character perhaps was gay and closeted mm -hmm. that because he's he's like sick the whole movie the whole thing is about and he just keeps getting sicker um and he doesn't have money so he can't go to a hospital or whatever but i just like i couldn't stop thinking about like AIDS. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the other thing. Uh, that, like, there is a freedom with sex that I'm like, yeah, this movie would be entirely different if it were made 12 years later. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, well, n- not even 81. No, no, no. Uh, like, uh, if it were made 20 years later, sure. it would be yeah. an absolutely different film. And I think that is where you get some of the really hard stigma against homosexual behavior and mm-hmm. homosexual orientation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be out of now that there is once there's this specter mm-hmm. of HIV and then also this, you know, conservative cultural push from like Reagan, Reagan. and Bush yeah. to really, really demonize right. and sort of ostracize behavior. Um, that's my word of the day. <laughs> Ostracization. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then we also kind of have to talk about uh, this movie has Dustin Hoffman and John Voight. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, you, you're looking at me, uh, for the listeners out there, she's looking at me like I should say more. I am. Because, um, yes, it does. Yeah. Happen. Oh, well, they've been canceled. I don't know if you know this, but they've, they've been canceled. Uh, what do you mean canceled? Um, so, Dustin Hoffman um, is... is uh, uh, a sex offender. Um, he 
I did not know yes, that. Seven women have come forward um, about him, about him uh, groping them on set, um, hmm. using instances in which they were like on stage to try to finger them. Oh my god! Um, to Fuck. you know, touch their body and like. Um, uh, excellent, you know, the, the woke actor Liam Neeson came to his defense <laughs> to say that, um, that, well, it was just childhood stuff. You touch someone's breast before a show and you do it enough that it becomes like a, good a, luck a ritual. And if you don't do it before the show, then it's bad luck. Are I'm you like, no. serious? He yes, said I am that? Dead serious. Oh so, my God. Yeah, Liam Neeson. Uh, if damn, if what just happened to you didn't take you down, it, you, it's, it's you're coming going for you. down. It's coming for you. <laughs> oh and my then God. John Voight like has come out against his earlier like anti-war. Um, he you know was super progressive and mm-hmm. you know anti-Vietnam and everything, and now mm-hmm. he rejects that. He's pro-Trump. Um, he says that it was a result of Marxist propaganda. Um, yeah, he was no, he's not a that. monster, and then also he like abandoned Angelina Jolie and her brother, and like wouldn't didn't help them for a long time. They they have apparently rekindled their relationship. Um, I didn't know any of those. Th- I didn't know he and Angelina Jolie were oh, a thing. Um, so he's her dad. So uh, oh okay, not a, a thing. thing. Well, that's what I meant. A, a thing. thing. I call yeah. you know. Yeah, I knew. Th- obviously, I knew that because yeah, yeah, you obviously thing, knew, look, I, you know, my I'm dad. I'm not here to tell you what you obviously knew, but you obviously knew that. You know, it's a nickname. Okay, we can yeah. we can move on. Voight is German for Jolie, um, <laughs> so it's a trans. Yeah. Um, so oh, and he actually has a new film it's coming out. Um, called about. It's a new anti Roe v Wade film. Ooh, um, can't wait! Yeah, that sounds so, super fun. Uh, the clock is ticking on John Void. Everybody, watch. Watch Deliverance and, and Midnight Cowboy while you can. <laughs> they're going to go away. Um, um, what, Gina, <clears throat> you seem like you have another movie on your mind. I, it's called Butch Cassidy <laughs> and the Sundance Kid. Well, yeah, you know, um, yes, I do. What That's, the hell is that movie about? Well, okay, I'm really good at plot summaries, as we learned from Midnight Cowboy. So I'm going to take a stab at this one. Well, this one's much more, like, easygoing. <laughs> this is a simple, like simple plot summary. Boom. Okay, so just to remind you, this is the top grossing film of uh, 1969. Yeah, by far. By far. By, it, was it, I correct? Right. It was you so it was right. like a hundred million or for, something for Butch Cassidy, yeah. and then Midnight Cowboy was actually the second one, yeah. but forty million or something yeah. like that. It's so like a huge a gap. difference of like sixty million dollars. Yeah, which is wild. Um, okay, so Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, uh, great. So you want me to take it? I can take it. I, you know what? I may or may not. Did you already like write one? The Wikipedia. Okay, page that's cheating. Ooh. Okay, no, no, no. I'm gonna do yeah. it. I don't no, want Wikipedia Gina, to do it. I just. Can Wikipedia do it just for the just for the sake? Essentially, of... I'm gonna say the super short version of the, I love the plot. I love that. It's basically it's about these two um, older cowboys, mm. uh, Paul Newman mm. and Robert Redford. Ja, ja. Uh, and they are basically it's the classic sort of sort of one last job thing. It feels like a little mm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decide to um, rob this train going into town and out of town. Both ways, no one's ever done that before. But unfortunately, on the way out of town, um, they get chased um, mm. by this like really great at tracking group of people. Right. Chase them through the mountains. I honestly thought the movie was going to end with them being chased through the mountains. Well, um, I thought, like, but I there's thought another the hour. of this film yes. was like, I, I heard, I have heard people say that like, 
do they even go to Bolivia? So what I was going to say next, Stephen. It happened. Um, But I was ready for that to be like a question. And now I feel like if that is a question in people's minds, then they're kind of just like... Then you didn't see the movie. Conspiracy theorist about film. Yeah. Well, because then the next hour of the movie is they... Stephen's pouring his coffee from the very Not nice Chemex that doesn't give you grounds. Not using the bathroom. Um, there are no grounds. There are no grounds. Okay. Uh, so the next thing, though, so they get trapped. Somehow they do, though, in the last second, find their way back home, evading their captors, and decide to take their, I'm going to say their girlfriend, because, you know, sort of both yeah, of no, their girlfriend. Very bizarre. <laughs> very bizarre. Uh, to- and, also, and also neither. Because yeah, yes. when she decides to go with them, they both she's, are like, "Whatever makes you happy." Well, and you're getting ahead of me, Stephen. Oh, <laughs> she says, "I'm a school teacher. I'm single." And like she, the love fact it. that she said, "No, she's single." I, single. Like, I know. Oh, wow. I love like, that. That was weird. really could have been very interesting. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, the point of it was that they to evade their captors further because they're like, "It's just gonna keep happening." Mm. Um. They run off to Bolivia. And the three of them, and they land in Bolivia, and then they proceed to like rob a whole bunch of banks down there. Um, and then finally, they are there's a shootout where essentially, like, finally, at the last, you know, they can't run right. anymore, they can't do the stealing no more, uh, and they get killed in the glorious shootout. Yeah, like huge, like the entire Bolivian militia right. is like right. there to kill right. them. Um, um, that's yeah. the plot summary. That was Virginia's- a decent job. Um, if I may say so myself, I so. I mean, you if I wasn't interrupted, the, the marvel of the bicycle, there, which yes. a lot of time was <laughs> devoted to uh, the music. Uh, the, okay, anyways, mm-hmm. we don't have to jump in to the music, but well, it did what kind of, a weird a of, movie, music-wise. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it was definitely capturing the idea of like this because the, the, these were these sort of tin type silent film era mm-hmm. uh criminals so in order to sort of recapture that they were using silent film era type music a lot of the times and then just burt Bacharach. oh and Rain just Drops, yeah just yeah. raindrops keep falling on my head right. well, for hey, it won so the oscar long that song did yeah was it there was it an original song for that movie i guess so I, oh my god yeah, it's movie, that song, is crazy um, I, but the um it's like putting Katy perry on like no country for old men I was like, what is happening? Right. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, no. For something that involves, so like, literally a man being blown up twice. Um, who's like... Oh, the train guy. Was, I yeah, love the train like guy. he's like a slave to these rail, this railroad, railroad billionaire. Yes. And he's like so afraid of the guy that he just lets himself be blown up. Blown up, up yeah. Um, I, can, we, can we talk more about Etta? Can we talk about this? What yes. Were your f- so she's this on girlfriend. The first scene? Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. What? Okay. So me let me it. let me set the scene. The way we meet this woman, who is, uh, I, I, I'm gonna just gonna tell you so that you're not uncomfortable. I explain this. Uh, is in fact sleeping with uh, Robert Redford's character mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. in love with Paul Newman's character too. But the way that she's introduced is, um, she like this. We see this woman come home to her homestead. She like starts taken off her clothes and then Robert Redford is just sitting in her chair in her bedroom right with his gun cocks his gun cocks his gun you know what I mean um 69 and I'm just gonna do that too okay damn it um and he's just like keep going and she's all scared looking obviously and so uh and then so then she just like starts stripping for him Mm -hmm. because he's got his gun trained on her Um, it is aimed at her aimed at her and it's like cocked and like 
slip of the finger. Yeah. Oops. Oh, and he is, by the way, like the fastest and best oh, yes. gun in the West. Right. So it's a big deal. So he's probably got control over it, but right. still. Um, so he just makes her... <laughs> no, that's not the point that no, I, I was taking from it. No, I was going the opposite. Would he would <laughs> certainly be able to kill her, but also he's... Okay, d- that's not the point. Um, he's making her strip with the gun on her. Right. He stands up and he like walks over to her and he puts his hand inside her like bodice, which she's oh. now unbuckled. Right. And it's like, it's just so tense and horrifying. And also because, you know, before this, the first 15 minutes of this movie is like, these are our heroes who we're going to be watching. Right. Um, and then she says, somehow she's like, you know what I wish? And like all scared, she right. says it. And she's like, that you would come home on time once and right? then they like make out and, and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> which I think, so like this movie, I think it, at the end of the movie, you have a lot of license to say, you know, well, actually they were okay. But the way that they play into audience expectations, I think is really important um, because at that moment, we don't know that. No, it's so and, scary. And so, like, this is one of the most horrific things that could happen to a person, and it's played for a laugh? Right, right, like, right, right, exactly, exactly. Or, but, and and I think my under, my guess is, like, it's meant to be, like, oh, cool, they have, or, like, they have a, a, a like, fun, spontaneous, right. sexy relationship where sometimes they role right. play that he's going to assault her, and yeah, he's a know, stranger. Like, who, like you do, like you do. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but her her character there. I was so excited for her to be like this, like single. She's just that she could just be like, yeah, I'm I'm sleeping with this guy. I'm also kind of into this other guy and I'm free and I'm like living on my own homestead, you know. Um, But actually there she just gets no you know she gets she barely does anything she doesn't do anything she has no lines yeah. she like sort of teaches them she teaches them in spanish when they get to bolivia how right. to rob a bank um and she and we see robert redford's character like really mistreat her and i think in a way that is supposed to be like oh they he actually loves her but he's just like mean to her right for no reason and then she just kind of silently takes it you know yeah a lot of like you better not take his side because you'd be dead without me. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. And then she just sort of like looks and looks mm-hmm. and she's quiet, Right. you know. Uh, and then in the end, she just disappears Leaves. from the movie, yeah. literally. So I don't know how she gets back to... Because <laughs> right. the journey to get from uh, wherever they were in the West to Bolivia is quite the romp. Like they... Right. It's told through... Uh, there's like sepia, old photos. sepia photos where they've been um, like inserted into the photo mm. of them going like all the way to New York and then like having fun in right. New York and then going on a steamship. And anyway, so I was just like, how does she even get there on her own? So but, you, well, you've also you brought up a, a point that is the the other thing that I was like this the way that this is interacting with the audience bothers me, which is the depiction of Bolivia. Mm-hmm. Because they eventually they are in, you know, moderately urban mm-hmm. areas mm-hmm. and in like developed areas. But there's this when they get off the, the train, which would be presumably one of the 
biggest areas because that's why I mean that's the why train they call them railroad there. towns. You know, mm-hmm. like they get off and the station is just a brick facade, right? And everything's just and there's like pigs empty. and an alpaca, right? I'm like, this is to and they me, shit on it for a while. They're oh, like, yeah. Bolivia sucks. Big time. This sucks. Yeah. And to me, that was really, really, really playing into this sort of American exceptionalism of like oh, yeah. how, like, oh man shouldn't they have been in america bolivia is just this sort of third world kind of infantilizing developing nations kind of thing yeah yeah Yeah. and and on that note too it's like the fact i mean the two things one is that Mm -hmm. sort of like well once they get to bolivia they can rob they don't speak spanish but they can rob every bank they want and make tons of money because like the you know the the systems of security and finance in uh, in Bolivia right. are far inferior to those of the U.S. So, like, they can get away with it so easily there. And at one point, it becomes clear that um, they're white. <laughs> because, do you remember that? Uh, you remember the one where like they're fi- they're like doing the fake scene about like what they need to deposit, and uh-huh, the guy's like, uh-huh. like, oh like, yeah, pushes the teller aside, right? Like, oh, oh my wait. god, and, like clownishly just takes them to the vault, because right? Because like, oh, you're a white, so you probably, yeah. And women and a woman. Uh, and blah, 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 let's go down. Right. And I'll then, show you the vault. Right. Opens oh, the vault, shows guy. them all the money in it. I'm and like, then, of course, they they stick them up. Right. And and the fa- so it's a cowboy movie, and like there is plenty of opportunity for in the first part, like while they're still in the U.S. Uh, there's like plenty of violence sort of, you know, there's like mm-hmm. they the train gets blown up and like they're doing all these things. But the first time that we see people die, it's only the it's the people of color it's the the people in bolivia there's like a super like slow motion really really like uh like close up almost in my memory it's slow motion i will call you that the first people that we see die are actually two members of his own gang. well but we see them like get shot in the back and we don't even see their faces like we don't see anything of them and so it's sort of like the we we like see all the like gore and blood and like the action of like this like eight Right. eight Bolivian people, you know, being killed by them. And it's also a big moment because it's the first time that uh, Paul Newman has ever shot anybody, right? Mm-hmm. That he That's like a little confession he makes because they're like surrounded by this right. this like group of bandits there. Um, and like... I really, I, I thought that like, something I thought was definitely present was this idea that, um, and oddly, it is present in both films like what was going on in the late 60s that made it so that there's this like decline of the frontier mm-hmm. the decline of like the man's man mm-hmm. um because i mean they lose like they are it, to them i feel like the sort of systematic nature of modernity is is destroying them because mm-hmm. because like the that's what i was thinking about Ugh, maybe I'm the most pretentious person in the face of the world. But when the the team of trackers were trying to track them because they were hired mm-hmm. by this corporation, mm-hmm. that like they're sort of the rugged individuals, and then mm-hmm. formerly their wits had been able to like do everything, but then now there is this super group of trackers, like it's systematic, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I. Th- 
So my in my interpretation of this one, though, is that in Butch Cassidy, that they are sort of glorified in a sort of like, this is gone, but mm-hmm. like this was, uh, it's so, it's sad that like yeah. this, this type of like American male, like Western cowboyism right. is like dying. Because even in the way that like so much of the movie is told in the, like even just that big um, sequence where it's like all these photographs where we see them, it's like literally like that is a photo as if they are like living on in our memory in their like glory days and even in the ending when they do get shot like they finally Mm -hmm. die we don't see them die we just see them like jump out with their guns drawn and then it like fades to sepia and they're like you know yeah and so this one i feel like is trying to say like look at these like amazing men and it's so sad that we lost it whereas i feel like midnight cowboy is maybe like you know the disillusionment is mm-hmm. sort of like well this is sort of the state of the world and it's you maybe are not supposed to get what you want just because you are a definitely. white man in america and it definitely feels like they're both looking into the decline of this rugged masculinity but then one is sort of a glorification whereas the other one is really a vilification because mm-hmm. you know a John Voight's character is destroyed, but then mm-hmm. B, the the rugged masculine Texans are a gang of rapists. Yeah, true. Um, right. Yeah. Do you, and we didn't we didn't talk about uh, people of color mm-hmm. in Midnight Cowboy, which is well um, because they don't really exist. No, there's exist the in one Texas, but not in, in Texas. <laughs> there is a dishwasher, right? Who is a black man, yeah. and then in New York. I don't think there's there's anybody. The bartender. Oh, there's the bartender. So entirely relegated to service roles. Yeah. Never walking around on the street. And then even though he... No. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, he is literally covering all aspects of Manhattan and never runs into... He's going up and down looking for... Any Hispanic person, any Asian person, or any black person. Right. Yeah. So that is a... What... Things have changed since 1969 in New York, I guess. Um, but I mean, yeah, or you know, there pe- those people existed. They were not shown in the movie, which is too bad. I definitely wasn't being I know. sarcastic. No, I I know. I'm just yeah. like saying, yeah. Right. Exactly. And then, and I part of me also felt like the team was was really patting themselves on the back, like really 69ing themselves um, <laughs> with. The conversation between him and the dishwasher because like oh, he's like yeah, yeah like oh the, well, this, they're friends you know and mm-hmm. it's like well, he's right before not he a real goes to new york character. he like yeah. goes back to say goodbye to the dishwasher right. yeah um right which right but yeah it's just like a thing of like it's no, a way to this make is just tokenism right it's a way to make them feel like they did something right when they did nothing nope Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And in the in Butch Cassidy, they the tracker. So, again, I really thought the movie was going to end with them like being tracked through the mountains mm-hmm. and being found and killed. Like and right. I was super down for that to be the movie, uh, especially because they you know, they talk about how like the, the like tracker is this. It's like a Native American man who has like a British. He's like Lord something uh who's like tracking them do you remember this yeah um, no i can't remember his name but yeah he's a lord lord yeah yeah um and like he's a really good tracker and they're getting close and like it looks like they're gonna catch him catch them uh looks like he's going to catch them mm-hmm. um and uh yeah but then they just like 
somehow evade this like incredibly skilled tracker and we never even get to see his face you know right there um, yeah at first i was like oh native american and then no we never never see, even see him he's it, literally a speck in the distance yeah, like we can't even yeah literally a crash test dummy and we'd have no right. idea <laughs> right. um yeah, and then uh, all women in this movie mm-hmm. are sex workers. Are you with talking the Midnight Cowboy? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Oh yeah. my God, both. Like, literally in both, God, it's yeah, like everyone that's right. is a sex worker. And in right, and Butch Cassidy, it's like, and of course, it's like all the the female sex workers are like, oh, oh sleep yeah. with me. I, you're so great, Paul Newman. You know, yeah, like glorifying the the like sexualization of like women who love to be prostitutes. You know, right, and also I. So if you, there there is a discussion um, in terms of like sex work that, you know, it's this idea that if, um, you know, if, if it's if it's work, then, you know, she can't enjoy it. And if she enjoys it, then she can't be paid for it. Then it like it's this it still kind of perpetuates that notion. Right. When she's like, you're a real man and mm. like, all the other girls wish they could be with you right and i don't even care about the money right she says yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. um god no yeah <laughs> oh god um well it sounds yeah gina have we arrived at the question I, I of our podcast have. i think that we've talked about a good a good deal yeah a good deal a good deal um oh except i would not a good enough deal. Not a good enough deal. Not a good okay. enough deal. I would just like to say that since I talked about Dustin Hoffman and, and, and John oh, Voight, sure. Robert Redford and Paul Newman, hmm. they became massive environmentalists and massive advocates for public good. Yeah, I mean, I Paul Newman, I was like, I don't know if I've seen your face except for on those salad dressings. Right. And so I saw him and I was like, I know exactly who you are now. Yeah. And, I mean, and then Robert Redford has done a lot in out west i mean Mm. they seem to be Mm -hmm. surviving you know they just they seem to be also good people yeah um gina should we should we should we should we should we gina should we keep this which what should we keep them should we keep you know what which let's on do you want to like on three explain like say which one if we uh, had to we keep should, one we should keep god okay do we have to pick one <laughs> i i won't i won't comment okay three <sighs> two one neither, neither. Yeah, neither. yeah no these this is explain defend yourself okay oh well in a in a more right there's no judgment um well so butch cassidy i feel like was an easy no for me because the intent of it is very clear in that it is trying to glorify these men who i don't think deserve at all to be glorified um and has no consideration for any of the other characters who are not white men Mm. um and also and the music really bothered me (laughs) that raindrops keep falling on my head anyways okay and then um midnight cowboy i just don't know what it's trying to do Mm. and i am worried that what i like want it to be doing is not what it's trying to do and and again the same thing about anyone who is not the two main characters and therefore who is not a white man Mm -hmm. um yeah so 
and it yeah. sounds like the source material of Midnight Cowboy because I was almost like, ooh, what if maybe is there something to be gained from if it could be remade um, as mm-hmm. like uh, more, you know, like if that was the intention of it to be sort of like, let's look at this like, you know, self-hating homophobia and like the culture of, you know, like all yeah. these things that it could be. But it, but like if it was to be this particular story, Midnight Cowboy, it right. sounds like the the story itself, the book is not actually trying to do that. So, no. so that yeah, that's my defense. What about you, Stephen? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Butch Cassidy, a uh, very very much in line with uh, sort of systemic racial issues and dealing with just like all white people when we get to um bolivia they're very very poor and sort of character characterized depictions Mm -hmm. of south americans um almost all those south americans are males (laughs) and and then in dealing with (laughs) uh gender in america they're all sex workers except for this one woman who is happy to be assaulted um and then also is just could be a strong character like i think if if it were remade now she would be stronger but there were so many moments even just moments where it's like do you want to come right i'm gonna go (laughs) i'll drop everything come yeah Yeah. there's just the the connection to the story was just weak yeah she's just for them um and then also just sort of the glorification of the like rugged mm-hmm. male like i yeah no um and then with midnight cowboy i at first i was really curious because i did at first i was like where am i falling on this because mm-hmm. i did think that as a film it is it is more interesting in the way that it tried to use the medium of film than mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is pretty much linear narrative yeah. capturing naturalistically what has happened with the exception of when we're getting a montage of stills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I liked that. However, a lot of that was used to call women objects to make weird statements about um uh sexuality of middle-aged women um Mm -hmm. very questionable statements about mental illness um a very unclear i feel like like you said when we're looking into its depiction of homosexuality and what it's trying to say it's it's really unclear so it's it's hard to tell am I putting what I wish this movie could be on it or is it what it is? Um, and like you said, it, you know, it could be if the movie was remade, mm-hmm. maybe the movie could do more. I mean, because there's a, I mean, but it would have to abandon its source material. It sounds right. like, it, so it would, it would be to, a different in a way thing. that like it, in it, because in a way it has, mm. But the, the the once I started learning more about the source material, I'm like, well, anything that keeps this source material alive, right, bothers me. Yeah, like I don't, I don't want somebody to, you know, see the name Midnight Cowboy, see that it was adapted from 
a novel and then go read that novel and then think like, oh, well, everyone in this uh, in this film is endorsing it. The filmmakers are endorsing it. It's a because so many novels have been made. It must be a story that we're trying to keep alive through time. I don't yeah. like that at all. Um, and so I think, yeah, I just think it has to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to go. Yeah. And also they have created a New York with with no women walking around, no people of color walking around. It's very much still fulfilling the same. I mean, I think we're going to, I imagine we are going to encounter this, <laughs> this issue problem. a lot. I think so. Uh, for, for the next, the next like, 30, 40 45, years. More like 45 years. <laughs> yeah. of we're basically, we're two years into not having it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think they've got to go and what what are we gaining from this style of cinema i'm sure there are plenty of other films that encapsulate it and also you know what if if because he ain't it ain't the only you know auteur film where because there's this other issue in like auteur cinema where it's just this idea that men get to do whatever they want and it's like sort of seen as valid and and good because well, it must have come from something. Right, which is usually women, naked women. Right. Them showing naked you know? women. Yeah. Um, and and so, like, women are never really, aren't, have yet to be given the same benefit of the doubt in terms of experimental filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so a lot of, like, auteur directors are very problematic uh, in their depictions and in their personal life. So it's like, <laughs> maybe if all if a lot of problematic people are drawn to the same style like what does that say about that style mm. i don't know hmm. food for thought indeed <laughs> all right uh gina how do you feel do you feel like you want to say more um or do you feel like you're good i i'm i think i'm good i feel yeah? like we've said most things i will once I'd be happy to again talk about why I hated raindrops keep falling on my head, but I think I've beaten that dead horse to use yeah, a cowboy that, image. That, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that cowboy image. I'm glad You're we're welcome. able to bookend with, with cowboys. Um, Did we start with a cowboy? I mean, this whole thing has been about cowboys. Well, sure. So. Yeah. So I guess it wasn't really a bookend. It's like the bookend and all the books in the middle of the bookends. Right. Well, theoretically, like yeah. if that's what the book's about, that's what the book's about. And it should end with how it begins. If it's a good book. Mm. About Cowboys. 69. 69. Oh, my God. Great. Um, So next week we'll move to, next time we'll move to 1970. 1970, baby. Which the Oscar winner was. Oh, the Oscar winner in 1970 was Patton. I've never seen it. No. Wow. Are you serious? Maybe we should get your dad to join the show. I think that that would be potentially a mistake. Mm, okay, fine. That's uh, fine. You'll just have yeah. to channel him a little bit when we talk about it. Yeah, well, I, you know, we all become our fathers. Mm. So, mm. you know, I'm sure that I'm doing that now. Cool. Do you know? Time will tell. Where, <laughs> <laughs> where can I find you? Oh, uh, 
Just don't. Do it. No, you got to <laughs> do it, Gina. You got to do it. Okay. I don't have a big social media presence, mm-hmm. if that's what you're asking me, Stephen. Um, and I'm proud of that. Okay. I deleted Facebook from my phone, by the way, like a month and a half ago, and oh, I, I barely checked it. I know we're not talking about Facebook because that's no, like the social media of the past already. But I was actually going to say that my phone just doesn't have the storage for Facebook anymore, so well, I just haven't. That's not it. your choice. I did this out of choice. Very true. But anyways, if you really, really want to, my Instagram is really embarrassing. Ah, damn it! I meant to change it before we did nope, this. Nope, it's ah. what it is. Okay. Um. So it's at. Because you got to put an at in there. Oh, shut up. Um, I solemnly swear I'm up number two. No good. Uh, I made that up myself. All those HP fans Are you taking out a picture there. of me? Steven's taking a picture of me. I am. Are you going to tag gonna... me? No, don't tag my oh, Instagram. I'm totally going to tag. Because, Anyways. Well, we have to like story this because I am much oh. more active. Okay. We are live storying. Yeah. That. We're not live storying. That's We're live storying. That's a thing. I don't. I'm so proud to not know a thing. And I don't have Twitter. Um, okay. and that's that. Oh. Where will they find you? If you, you can, want to find one of us, look for Steven. Me, um, you can find me. I, I chose to be less creative and mm. be very visible. So, mm. uh, you can just find me on Twitter at Steven Moskis. You can find me on Instagram at Steven Moskis. What? You can find me on no. Tumblr. On Tumblr? Yeah. We go Guess there. where you can find me. I, I, what, what, what would at, my handle be? Moscow Steven. No. Just to. No. Oh. It didn't land. At. Is there an at in Tumblr? There is an I've at. I've never gone to Tumblr. At, yeah. Tumblr.com? So, most people haven't gone to Tumblr. So, mm. you know, if you want to. What do you do on Tumblr? At, is it photos? Video, it's not. A, it's it's fo- lots photos? of photos, but it's like microblogging. My posts are very long. Mm. Well, if. Uh, I probably still have my, like, what were the old ones called? Oh, I wow. I. Yep. I don't know. Where can they find you on Tumblr? Stephen Moskis, baby. How do you spell those yeah. things? Because mine is oh, easy to spell oh, if you know true. the reference. My uh, my name is Stephen with a V, M O S K O S. So that's how you can find me. And then also, this is a Rock Rising podcast, so you can also what? follow Rock Rising on Instagram, and you can check out their stories and look at all the other cool projects that they're doing. Thank you. Dear. Thanks, Stephen. 69. 69, baby. (laughs) This has been a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Thanks for listening.